You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of Arosu Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. You guys have made it to another Wednesday, another hump day. And if you're listening to my voice, you can tell that we're back in full effect with our question and answer episodes. Just want to say again, thank you guys so very much for all the great feedback that we've gotten from our interview with LaShana Johnson last week, Superwoman. Uh, we got a, some amazing feedback. We got a ton of downloads um, and a ton of information um, to follow up on, I would say. So thank you guys so much for that. Really appreciate it. Um, I'll let her know about how much you guys appreciated the interview when I get a chance uh, to set this show up, though. Um, so we we do every Wednesday. You guys know how we do every Wednesday question and answer unless we get an interview. Um, but I do want to let you guys know, because it's a holiday season, this will be our last question and answer episode until after the new year. I'm going to go ahead and, and take my own advice and practice some self-care and spend a little time with the babies and the wife during the holiday season to to make sure, you know, daddy is on top of all of this stuff that daddy needs to be on top of. So I'm going to do that. This will be our last question and answer episode for the year. So I want to make sure that I tell you guys happy holidays. Make sure you're being safe, spending the holidays with friends and family, even if it's virtual. Try to be grateful for just having the opportunity to spend time, right? So I'll do this episode, and then I got another one coming to you guys, a love, another love nugget coming to you guys Friday, and then you won't hear my voice, a fresh version of my voice, because I'm still going to kick out some of my favorite episodes from the year um, in between that, that two-week period, but uh, you won't hear the fresh version of my voice for a while. So after Friday, just uh, just know that. Right. So without further ado, let me get off my soapbox and get into what we came here to talk about, which is the question and answer sessions. Right. Before we do, you guys know the quote of the day and the quote of the day today actually comes from the Bible. And this is Luke chapter 12, verse 48. And it reads to whom much is given, much is required. Once again, that quote is to whom much is given, much is required. And the author is Luke, the Bible, Luke, chapter 12, verse 48. And I actually I think of this quote quite often um, because I I find myself in positions from time to time where I feel very, very overwhelmed with having a bunch of knowledge and and having to put my knowledge in, in several different areas. And when I say several different areas, to be frank with you guys, I mean with my family. Right. So when I when I find that that I have a certain skill set that someone in my family doesn't have. And as I try to kind of communicate and conversate with them um, and they don't pick it up as quick as I want them to or as quick as I would like them to, uh, I get frustrated still to this day. I get frustrated, but I always come back to this quote and 
I realize and I kind of put it into perspective that I've been fortunate enough to acquire a particular skill set that some members of my family haven't had the opportunity to acquire yet. So it's it's one of those things where you you have to constantly be patient with people and understand that you were gifted. And this when I say you, I'm talking about myself. You were gifted with the opportunity to grow and advance and to learn, acquire new information and then apply that new information. There are people in your family that hadn't had that opportunity yet to remove themselves from the emotional aspect. So um, whenever I get frustrated with someone in my family in particular, when they don't pick up on something that I'm putting down, I go back to this quote and it's to whom much is given, much is required. So it helps me with patience and I hope it helps you put things in perspective as well. Question number one, why is marriage hard and divorce easy? Once again, that question is, why is marriage hard and divorce is easy? I think in a lot of cases, when we talk about marriage, um, we go into situations, into marriage, and not that it's anybody's fault, but we go into marriages with a certain idea of how things should work. And what happens is we never factor in the different dynamics that come with marriage, right? So understanding that children play a different role or it shifts the dynamics of that relationship or parents or guardians, whoever, there's different dynamics in that relationship. And up until the point of marriage, you could probably keep some things separate. Uh, but once you start to marry and intermesh, like so once you become a couple, right, officially a couple, a committed couple and you become married, there's so much that's shared in that type of relationship um, that there's very, very little privacy. So once you start to get into those situations, it's, it becomes difficult to compromise. And I think the more we advance into the technological age, the more people will struggle with articulating their feelings and being able to say what they need out of a relationship. And some people just find it easier to say, you know what, forget it, I give up. Um, I would invite you to, if you're in a situation in which you think you're going to give up on your marriage or give up on your partner, try to think back to why you first started loving your partner and why you guys got involved in a relationship to begin with and work from there. It's so easy to get a divorce. It's so easy to, quote unquote, do your own thing in this day and age. The society we live in encourages that. But I encourage you to take the road less traveled and work hard on your marriage, work hard on your relationships, because even in the midst of frustration, anger and pain, there can be some lessons to learn. Of course, if there's no abuse going on. So if we're talking about emotional abuse, if we're talking about physical abuse, automatic no-nos for me, I would say get out of there. But if it's something minor, like frustration, anger, you're getting tired of that other person, then look into unconditional acceptance and try working on that. Question number two, do I have to explain my traumas to heal? Once again, that question is, do I have to explain my traumas to heal? Uh, that I think that's a very uh, individual question, so it's specific to you. But I will say that um, there's certainly great strength in creating a support network around your traumas, right? And when I say support network around your traumas, that's creating people or, or identifying people that you can go to and that you can confide in about your traumas. I've found personally that that has been, um, very, very beneficial to my worldview, very beneficial to the shift of my thought process, being able to come into a room of people and say, Hey, 
here's the traumas that I experienced. Here's the traumas that I've dealt with um, up until now. Right. So from childhood until now, here's the trauma that I've dealt with. And to hear people say, oh, wow, you know what? I dealt with something similar or here's how I got over that trauma. I think it's very, very empowering because for me, it's like, okay, you're not the only one that went through something um, that traumatic or you went through something that that terrible. Frankly, there are other people that went through these things. And it just feels good to have a social support network that centers around trauma um, and that you you know it's a safe space where you're not going to be judged or anyone's going to talk down to you. Right. So. I don't know if I would say, yes, you have to talk about your traumas, but I know from my personal experiences that being able to talk about trauma and being able to relate it to someone else, right, and and have someone else be able to relate it to you, it helps with empowering. Almost to the point that I would say you feel like, yeah, I can I can do this. I see other people do it. I see other people still striving and being successful. I can do it as well. Question number three, why is emotional health so important for parenthood? Once again, that question is, why is emotional health so important for parenthood? I think emotional health is one of the most important factors in parenthood, in fact. Uh, so having your emotions in check and having an idea of how to regulate your emotions is very, very important to parenthood because... Remember, you're teaching and molding a new human being, right? So our children come into this world and they have no idea about social skills. They have no idea about emotional management, how to control their anger or control their frustration or any feelings in general, right? You're literally molding this human being from the jump or from the get go. So when it comes to making sure that you have a, a, a good knowledge and understanding of your emotional health. I personally think that is one of the most important factors to parenthood, right? Because if you don't have an understanding of your emotions and how to regulate them, then how could you successfully teach your child how to emotional or how to regulate their emotions and have an emotionally healthy life, right? So I think that is one of the most important factors, of course, with love, empathy, and just all of the things that come with being a a good human being, having a solid understanding of your emotional state and your emotional health is very, very beneficial. You guys hear me talk about emotional intelligence all the time. I'm certified in emotional intelligence, and there's still some times where I find myself losing my emotional control with my children. And that just gives me that, that idea that, my goodness, like I one, I have so much further to go to kind of get my emotions under control. And number two, thank goodness for having an emotional intelligence understanding because now I can regulate my emotions when my two-year-old's jumping from couch to couch or doing something she isn't supposed to be doing. I don't come out lashing out at her or yelling. I'm, I'm coming at her in a calm voice in most cases. There are some times where I lose my emotional control, but in most cases, I'm coming at her with a calm voice and I'm trying to help her understand the error in her ways. Question number four, what should I say in a thank you letter to my ex from many years ago? Once again, what should I say in a thank you letter from my ex or for my ex from many years ago? Uh, I've, I've heard of the thank you letter and, and kind of those ways to release an ex or release a previous relationship. 
And I, I mean, I, I've have it, I have not tried it to be frank with you, um, but I would imagine if you're going to write a thank you letter to your ex from a long time ago, it should be something thanking her for some things that she held you accountable for, uh, some things that she may have done that you didn't see that was a good thing right then and there. But now that you're older and you've matured, you see that she did it for your benefit and to help you out. Um, I would even go as far as to if you if it was a bad relationship. I go as far as to saying thank you for cheating or thank you for whatever you did to me because what it did was it it wises me up or it opened my eyes up to the fact that there are people in the world that don't always have your best interests at heart, right? So any type of strong emotions, I guess what I'm trying to say is any type of strong emotions that you feel for this ex from many years ago. Those are all the things that I will put in the thank you letter. Um, and again, to to release that, I've I've had clients in the past that I've encouraged to write the thank you letter and then put it in a bottle and throw it in the river or throw it in the, the lake or something like that, or even burn it. I found that burning is is has been the most um, symbolic thing that people can do to to get rid of their ex or get rid of the idea of their ex. So go ahead and write the thank you letter. Um, and be sure to burn it because that's if many years has passed since you guys have conversated, there's not much there, but that forgiveness and unforgiveness as well. Last question from our relationship and mental health side of things. I want to control my emotions better and be more successful. What is some advice that you can give me to boost my emotional intelligence? Once again, that question is, I want to control my emotions better and be more successful. What is some advice you can give me to boost my emotional intelligence? I would say study and practice it. Uh, Just to reiterate, the the four areas of emotional intelligence is having a self-awareness, having a social awareness, having the ability to manage your relationships, and lastly, having the ability to regulate your own emotions, right? So those four areas are pretty much the four primary components of emotional intelligence. So first things first, I would become very, very familiar with your own emotions, right? I found that when I was studying, when I first started studying emotional intelligence, that if I didn't have an awareness of my own emotions and what might come out of me and what might come out of my mouth, all those other areas were um, null and void, so to speak, right? So if I didn't know my own emotions, then I couldn't manage those emotions, right? I also wouldn't have the ability to pick up on others' emotions, which is that social awareness. And then lastly, I wouldn't have the ability to manage my relationships. So understand when I don't want to be bothered or understand where I don't want to talk about a particular topic or subject without losing emotional control, right? So I would start with that, just mastering your own uh, self-awareness and then start to work on those other three components from there. Um, once you do that, take it to the next level and, and practice emotional intelligence. And I always say this, the best way to practice emotional intelligence is to put yourself in a room with someone who you might not get along with. Right. That is the best way to get real life practice of emotional intelligence and emotional management, because it it, it allows you to be right in the fire and control your emotions in the fire. Right. And I know all of this sounds easy. 
and like very practical steps to boom, boom, boom. But this does take time, especially since you acknowledge that you need to boost your emotional intelligence. The biggest thing for you would be be patient with yourself. There are going to be some days where you do really well with your emotional intelligence and your emotional management. And then there's going to be some days where you might fly off the handle on somebody and call them a bad name or, or do something negative to them. So understand that emotional intelligence is a every day type of work situation. You got to work on it every single day, um, but it's worth it. It's certainly worth it to to be able to have healthy relationships, to be able to have an understanding of other people and the stuff that they go through, and then to be able to manage that, right? It's most, I love it. I love emotional intelligence, as you guys can can hear and probably tell if you follow, follow me on social media or if you've been following my journey over the past couple of years. Emotional intelligence has, has done wonders for my life. It's done wonders for my friends. And I highly, highly encourage you guys to to definitely boost that, right, to, to boost it for yourself. And it will lead to more successful outcomes because it, it shifts your worldview from glass half empty to glass half full. All right, let's touch on our questions from insight from a former narcissist. Question number one, why did my narcissist ex cheat on me and devalue me much sooner than his current girlfriend? He did that to me after 1.5 months, but he his new relationship has lasted for half a year. Once again, why did my narcissistic ex cheat on me and devalue me much sooner than his current girlfriend? He did that to me after 1.5 months, but his new relationship has lasted half a year. There's a pretty good chance that at some point in time in your relationship with him over the course of that 1.5 months uh, that you tried to hold him accountable for his actions. And literally, that's all a narcissist will need in order to start looking for a new supply or start trying to look for someone else. One thing that I would invite you to do is not look at the situation like, oh, how come he's treating her better than me? Or how come their relationship lasted longer than us? Because you're not there in that relationship. And I mean, if he's a narcissist, I'm sure he's doing a lot of the same things that he did to you, to her. She just might not be or have the confidence to hold him accountable for his actions, number one, or it it might be behavior that she's used to and she's seen played out throughout her entire life. So you uh, should look at the situation as a gift and not a situation like, oh, well, they've been in a relationship for a year and a half. Is he treating her better than me or is his behavior different with her? Because I can pretty much guarantee you that it's not. They just do a good job of masking it. Question number two. What inner wisdom about yourself did you gain after ending your relationship with the narcissist? Once again, that question is, what inner wisdom did you gain or about yourself did you gain after ending your relationship with the narcissist? I think I one of the things that I, I and I know this might come across as bad, but I was the, the hell no in me. Like, I will never accept this behavior from someone else or I will never compromise myself for someone else in this manner ever, ever, ever again uh, was one of the most profound things that I can't that I got out of my relationship with the narcissist, where it was like she I will, going into relationships. I and this is where I came up with a non-negotiable list going into relationships. I already have a set of things that I'm not accepting. Right. So if I get into a relationship and I start dating and a girl starts to call me out of my name or she starts to tell me how I'm not valued or I'm not this or I'm not that. 
just to put me down or talk to me in a condescending manner, there is no, I'm not accepting that. Right. So the soon as I hear that, that's a red flag for me to get out of that situation. And thankfully it hasn't happened since, but literally every relationship that I had after I would dealt with a narcissist woman, it, I have my non-negotiable list, right? So soon as a woman said something disrespectful, or she said something that I didn't like or turned me off, I would bring it to her attention. And if she kept doing that behavior or kept displaying that behavior, then that was somebody I automatically got out of my life because there's no way, there's no way that I was accepting that anymore. So, um, I guess what I'm saying is it it taught me to draw clear and concise boundaries for any relationship that I got involved in. Question number three, what do narcissists do when they have no supply? Can they go long periods of time without a supply? Once again, what do narcissists do when they have no supply? Can they go long periods of time without a supply? Absolutely. If a narcissist goes a long period of time without supply, you can look at the family dynamics to see where the supply within their family is. Right. So I've said this in the past. I've worked with clients who recognize at a later time that the supply for the narcissist was the mom or the dad or sister, brother, someone else within their family that allowed them to to keep going on without being held accountable for their actions. Um, So it may seem like because a narcissist does not have a girlfriend or a boyfriend that they don't have a supply, but in all actuality, they they probably uh, drifted back to their main supply or, or their primary supply, which is usually a parent, guardian, sibling, like someone that's really, really close to them and do not does not hold them accountable for their actions. Last question. If you tell your narcissistic ex that they hurt you, will they care or feel remorse? Once again, that question is, if you tell your narcissistic ex that they hurt you, will they care or feel remorse? Absolutely not. They will not care or feel remorse. I would even take it a little step further. I would not disclose that information to them because they'll somehow use that information to hold it over your head and make you feel even worse, if that makes sense. Um, There's no compromising with the narcissist. There's no uh, getting them to see it from your end, see it from your perspective. A narcissist is extremely self-centered. And any information that you you get that displays vulnerability from your perspective, a narcissist will use that to hold it over your head and dangle it to keep you under their their umbrella or under their control. Right. So if you think a narcissist is a normal person that is going to express sorrow or express the fact that um, they were in a bad spot, at least right now, uh, I would give it some time. Maybe they'll grow out of being a narcissist. But uh, if you expect them to feel remorse right now in the moment, then that's just not realistic. And I would invite you not to do that because then they'll just use that as a controlling tactic for you further down the line. All right. So that's all we have for you guys. Remember, this is our last question and answer episode until into the new year. So I want to say happy holidays to you guys. Please stay safe. Please stay warm. Um, Make sure that you're following all the COVID guidelines and all of that good stuff. And keep getting those questions into TQLP20 at gmail.com. Again, our email address is TQLP20 at gmail.com. So we'll be back in full force during the new year to answer those questions. Or you guys are more than welcome to hit us up on our Facebook page, the Quality of Love Podcast. And remember, guys, as always, the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.